Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow, and they are professionals in the real estate industry. And I put a lot of value on professionalism. I want people to be in the industry that they love and they're working towards. No matter what the industry is, I just want to go to a real pro. And they absolutely are. I will put their information in the show notes. All right. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the acute program variables. Those are the little manipulations we use to change around workouts. And the reason why I came up with this topic for today is because I got to the gym bright and early this morning and uh, to do some writing on my book. I currently am working on a third book. It's all about strength training and basically a how-to workout book. And um, it's very technical it's a tough topic for me, not because um, for lack of knowledge or whatever. I think it's probably the area I have the most knowledge in, but it's just kind of tough to put all together. Like, how do I want to structure the reps and the weights and the exercises? And am I going to use pitchers? And then I realize I'm going to have to use pitchers. So it's it's tough for me. It's technical writing, um, which is a little different than putting a ton of thoughts together in a row. This is like a lot of formatting and stuff. But anyway, that's my uh, gripe of the day, I guess. But uh, as I was working through it, I'm working through the different workouts right now, like got through the bulk of the writing portion, and now I'm into that programming portion where I'm writing out a lot of the different workouts that I've enjoyed using with people through the years. And as I was like writing out the program variables at the bottom of each workout. I'm looking at them and I'm like, and I already knew this, but when you see it on paper and you see how, what your readers are going to see, everything is so close together. Like there's hardly any differences and you really have to be like really paying attention to see the differences. So I thought that would be a very good topic to explain why that is. All right, so let me give you a a little bit better example of what I'm talking about. So acute program variables are the sets of an exercise, like how many sets, how many reps you're going to do, what is the load you're going to use, what is the rest time between sets and between exercises, What is the tempo of the actual rep pace? Those are some of the most, those are some of the acute program variables. And I'd argue the most important program variables, you know, the rest of the stuff is like the exercises that you choose and the exercises that we choose for the most part are always going to be the same regardless of what the goal is. Okay. So the goals might be what we call adaptations. I know a lot of people say, well, 
I'm working out to lose weight or I'm strength training to lose weight. And I always caution them and say, well, that's not really the primary goal of strength training. They might say, well, that's my goal. Well, really better put is you're using strength training to help you lose weight because the reality is we lose weight by eating less and moving more. The goals of strength training really come down to four different things or four different adaptations, and those are muscular strength, so we get stronger, muscular endurance, so we can do more and more, hypertrophy, which is muscular size, or some people call tonicity, and then power, and that is moving objects faster, all right? Those are the four things we get out of strength training. Now, secondarily, we can lose weight, right? Because if we're going to the gym, we're burning calories when we're at the gym, no matter if we're working on hypertrophy, endurance, strength, or power. And if we're eating in a caloric deficit, meaning eating less, we're going to lose weight. But it's not the primary goal of going to the gym and working on strength training. It just happens to work that way or can work that way if you want it to work that way. But it's still going to come down to a caloric deficit no matter how you slice it. No pun intended. Okay, so those are what we work on. Now, when we put together the acute program variables, then that's where those things get manipulated. So again, the exercises are gonna be pretty much the same or really should be the same, no matter what you're working on, for the most part. There's gonna be very subtle differences, but for the most part, it's going they're going to be the same, all right? For example, whether you're working on hypertrophy, strength, power, endurance, the squat is a great exercise. Whether you're working on hypertrophy, strength, power, endurance, the chest press is a great exercise. So we can just continue down the line and throw in really any exercise we want. Where we get slightly different modifications or adaptations is from how we split all that up. And those are the acute program variables. Okay. So the ones that really change where you're going to get the most adaptative response is going to be in the reps, in the load, and the rest time. As I was writing this portion of the book, I noticed that when we get to more advanced lifters, the sets kind of stay the same, no matter if you're working on hypertrophy, strength, power, endurance. The sets are kind of the same if you're more advanced most research shows that three or greater sets is, is more appropriate for those groups, okay? No matter which one for the advanced group, I should say, three or more sets seems to be more um, helpful, all right? And the only time that really changes based on the adaptations you're seeking is you use a little common sense. If you're doing higher repetitions, like say 15 to 20, that means you're working on muscular endurance, you're most likely going to do less sets or you will be there all day, right? So if you're doing like five sets of 20 and you're doing seven exercises, that is a long workout, ladies and gentlemen, and probably not necessary. So 
you're going to use a little common sense and program in fewer exercises and fewer sets when you're doing higher reps. But that's just more of a, of a common sense thing. All right. But other than that, sets really doesn't come into the equation a whole lot. But what does, and it, but again, it's still just a little, and I'm going to finish all this up with that so you really get it, is the reps, the rest time, and the load. All right. So, for example, if you're working on pure strength, that means you're that guy in high school, you know, in my high school, New Smyrna Beach, Barracudas, you know, we wanted to be able to bench press as much weight as possible. And I'm sure that happened in every high school in the USA, right? So if you're that guy, research shows that less than six repetitions is appropriate per set. So that's low reps, all right? And the more you get to one, like the closer you get to one, like two or three, would be more beneficial to use low reps. So I'm talking maximal strength. So reps and load go hand in hand. In other words, if you're going lower reps, you have to be using high loads. So you, that's very important for people to understand. And I think a lot of us fitness professionals just take for granted people know that. In other words, we'll say, all right, do five sets of five. We're working on strength. Okay. And they'll do five sets of five and the load will be, you know, disproportionate, meaning they'll be able to do 15 reps and say, well, that's not five sets of five. That's like a broken 15. In other words, that, that doesn't count. You have to have the load appropriate. And the load appropriate means you have to be coming within one or two tops three repetitions short of failure. So when you're doing the five, it should be pretty much you can't go any heavier. So reps and load always are supposed to be directly correlated with each other, okay, related to each other. So if we're training for pure strength, it's lower reps, high load, and longer rest times, two to three minutes. Why? Because we need to allow all of the ATP, which is the adenosine triphosphate, to resynthesize, regroup, and be ready to go because those types of sets drain them quickly and it takes three minutes for the ATP to be resynthesized roughly. Again, method to the madness, why do we wait longer? That's why, because we need maximal contraction of the muscles. To have maximal contraction of the muscles, we need maximal ATP available. All right, so that's pure strength. Now, again, no matter what exercise you choose, now let's go to hypertrophy, which is size, the big dog, right? Hypertrophy training, you want to get muscular size. Now, yes, we can get stronger and bigger at the same time, and we kind of have to. But you can, you can target your workouts a little more towards any of these adaptations. So the research shows with hypertrophy, again, we've, I've already discussed that the sets remain pretty constant for everything. But the rep ranges for hypertrophy is 6 to 12. That's a more of a moderate rep range. It's not that real low like for strength, which means that the load has to be appropriate, which means the load is going to be lighter than it is for pure strength. If you want me to be technical, it's going to be somewhere around 70 to 85% of the maximal one rep max. Whereas for, for strength training, the loads are going to be closer to 85 to 100%, so almost maximal loads. Now you're using submaximal loads, 
what we would call moderate load. That's what the research shows. Research also shows that we should rest no more than 90 seconds and preferably one minute. Why? Well, if you remember from my podcast the other day, and if you didn't listen, you better go back and listen when I talk about what's the best kind of workouts to raise your energy. When we cut the rest times down, we're actually producing more human growth hormone, HGH, testosterone, and insulin growth factor F. All right? Those hormones, and they are steroids, are necessary to bring about hypertrophy. All right? So that is why on the rest time. And we're talking about one minute. That's what I like. You know, we the research says 90 seconds to actually 45 seconds, but I like to use one minute. I like to keep things really simple. But in any event, it falls right in there. But that's not a huge difference, right? I mean, it looks like it, but when you really sit down and think about it, you're like, well, one minute versus three. I mean, we're not talking like, totally two different things like, you know, you're going to ice skate one day and you're going to um, ride your bike the next. I mean, we're talking just minute or so difference. All right. And the rep ranges we're talking, you know, six to 12 versus under six. It's not huge. And you wonder, well, can that kind of change that kind of minimal change, which I believe is minimal, create such a difference between strength and hypertrophy? The answer is yes and no. I mean, yes, because we're maximizing hypertrophy with lower rest times, right? The answer is no also because we have to get to genetics. There has to be that growth period or factor there, which I will talk about when I finish with these different adaptations. I'm just trying to get you to kind of think where I'm leading you, hopefully. Think about where I'm leading you, all right? So next, let's look at muscular endurance, that next adaptation. So muscular endurance is like being able to do a lot of push-ups, being able to do pull-ups, those types of things. It's important, right? We want that for our overall fitness. We want all these things. So muscular endurance, again, keep the sets out of it, basically states that anywhere from, say, 12 to 20 reps is more ideal. So that's higher reps. The loads are going to be lighter because you have to match the loads to the reps. And research shows anywhere from, say, like 60% up to 75% is for muscular endurance. Um, Most research states that anything lighter than 60% of your one rep max, you're not going to get any benefit from. So that's really important for people that grab those tiny little weights and they go back to the mirror and they start doing all these little exercises with hand weights that are way too light for them. Um, and do a million sets and they think that they're spot toning and all this stuff, which is really impossible. They're really kind of just doing, I don't know, sub-maximal, sub-aerobic levels of exercise. So in any event, whole nother topic, but 60% is the maximal load we need to get strength, endurance, or power or hypertrophy benefits, um, roughly around 60%, Okay. So that's lighter loads, and then the rest times are going to be short, just like hypertrophy. Somewhere around 60 seconds and as low as 30 seconds. So we do take off about 30 seconds from hypertrophy, and we add maybe, say, eight reps tops in one direction, and we lighten the load by about 10% in another. Okay, that's not huge, but it is a different, all right? It is different. Now let's look at power. Power is interesting. 
So the formula for power is force times distance divided by time, right? That's what power is. We learned that in physics in some math classes. So that basically means that to move an object fast, all right? We want to move an object fast. Very important for a football player who needs to come off his blocks very quickly. He's moving his large body quickly. He's, used, he's moving his large arms quickly up into the grill of the person he's defending. So that's really, really important. You've got to move quick. So when we work with a lot of athletes, a lot of power athletes like football players, basketball players, baseball players, we have to learn to modify the adaptations. There's a saying, move slow, go slow. So we want to do fast repetitions with them. We don't want to do pure strength exercises for the most part because that when you're doing pure strength, you're moving slow. You have to. There's hard. It's impossible to move a heavy weight fast. So we have to modify the acute program variables. Again, sets stay the same, but the reps, we keep it to no more than 10 because if you start going more than 10 reps, you're going to fatigue. We don't want that. And we can do as low as one rep. But the big difference is the load now doesn't match the reps. In other words, for 10 reps, you might do 60% of your 1RM versus the normal 75 so it's going to be submaximal load because you want to move it fast. And for one rep, instead of 100% of your 1RM, you might use like 80% of your 1RM and basically throw that one rep up as fast as you can. When I work with high school athletes, I'll pull out a stopwatch and I'll put on a load, say 80%. And the goal isn't to do it more times. That would be what? Pause, pause, endurance. The goal is to move it faster. That would be what? Pause, pause, power. So I would time it. And if they could do it, say, in less than a second, okay, that's a good start. And then we try to get faster and faster. That is working on power, all right? So that is manipulating the acute program variables to get the adaptations that we want. So those are very important, right? Now, you might be thinking, but, you know, what about, like, general strength? I'm going to the gym for general fitness. We call that general conditioning. And really, that's more in the lines of hypertrophy. That's like where most people should be training because in the hypertrophy area, you are getting generally stronger, meaning you are getting stronger. You're using more than 60% of your 1RM. If you're here, you are. We're not doing, you know, baby weights, you know. And when I say baby weights, don't get me wrong. I mean, we have senior using threes and that's not a baby weight to them they're going to maximal failure on them i mean like we're going to be using the appropriate loads for what you're trying to accomplish we're going to teach you the importance of that with that so hypertrophy is really that general strength area that almost that one size fits all category that is great for everybody because you are getting stronger you are adding muscle mass which is so important for your metabolism you're going to be gaining some endurance. I mean, we're going to get something in that rep range. That's why it's like that middle of the road rep range. We're going to get something in there. So we're going to get all that. All right. So that's where we train for general conditioning for most people. All right. Now, what about does this stuff really matter? And the answer is yes and no. Yes, because we do want to manipulate those things to be the best we can be at the area we're trying to accomplish, all right? 
No, in the sense that so much of this comes down to genetics. And I don't want to scare people off with that or seem negative because I'm not. It's the opposite. It's understanding who you are and how to work towards it that is ultimately positive and will save you a lot of money and heartache and frustration in the end. All right. In other words, if I take a person who is genetically geared to be a strong man, like the guy, we all went to high school with guys like this, they could bench press a VW if you put it on a bar, right? Well, we could train them for muscular endurance and they're still going to out bench everybody in the gym, okay? Or we can take a person who, because of their lightweight, their good muscle bellies and they're geared towards endurance, can knock out 20 pull-ups and then never even trained before. And they're going to be able to do more pull-ups than the person who's not genetically geared towards it, but who's on a perfect muscular endurance training program of, say, three sets of 20 reps with 30 seconds rest time, because that would be the variable for that. And they do it consistently three times a week. My money is on the genetic guy. Okay? Now, my money might be on the other guy as far as, like, heart, you know, as far as work ethic, as far as other things, but as far as actually achieving the pull-ups, it's going to be on the genetic guy. So these variables are so close to each other that they should be a clue to everybody that what we accomplish so much comes down to the hand that God gave us, right? And Yes, these things matter. Don't get me wrong. I'm an exercise physiologist. They matter. And I love playing with these things. I'm a numbers guy. I love sitting down and, you know, making these workouts and plugging them all in. We just have to understand that these differences are pretty small when you look at them on paper compared to the genetics you're bringing to the table. Now, me, I'm a hypertrophy guy. I mean, that's just my genetics. So, when I started training pretty consistently and seriously at the age of 18, I started putting on muscle mass pretty quickly. I was decently strong, but I wasn't strong, strong. Like I got over 300 pounds in the bench press, but there were people I know that got over 400 pounds on the bench press. But I might have been bigger in certain areas with my muscles, and I might have had more definition. I might have had abs. You know, I was more geared towards that that's my genetics i could train for pure maximal strength which i don't really like to do a whole lot and definitely don't like to do without a spotter because it's not fun training super heavy and not having anybody around to get it off your chest if you fail right so anyway but i could do that and and i'm still gonna be me like i'm still gonna be built more towards hypertrophy kind of that middle ground you know muscularity not super, super strong, but pretty strong and have decent endurance in that. That's my genetics. Then I know people that are classic slow twitchers and like they're great runners and like they can do certain things, you know, um, very, very well. Like maybe they can do a bunch of air squats or whatever and we can train them more towards hypertrophy and they're never going to have like that just middle of the round, middle of the road, sorry, strength. They're not going to put on over too much size, no matter what kind of variables I try to cue in. So that's important to understand that, yes, if we're training for something, follow the variables. 
But also remember that who we are is always going to take precedence. And you could be the best at what you are. I mean, you know, people sometimes say, well, you know, what are your favorite types of athletes? I'm like, the ones that work the hardest. I mean, I've got people that are pure endurance people that can do a million pull-ups and a million push-ups and a million body weight dips and air squats and all that kind of stuff. They work their butts off on those adaptations. They enjoy those adaptations. They work their butt off. They're my favorite. And then I have the I, the hypertrophy people, more bodybuilder people that are using moderate weights, moderate loads, moderate rep ranges, and they focus on the feel and they, they like the pump and, you know, they, they work hard and they're my favorite clients. And then, you know, they don't have the, the deadlift people, the bench press people. And, and I have a few of them, not many. I mean, as we get older, I think that goal tends to probably just move away a little bit more. But, you know, I've, I've worked with the senior games for powerlifting. So they're still out there in the upper ages and, you know, they, they want to go really heavy and they work really hard on their heavy sets and they're my favorite. So it's like, to me, all of these groups of athletes have qualities and they're all super fit and they're all using weights to make themselves better. You know, it's just understanding that the adaptations are important, but it is so important to understand who we are. And I know I kind of bring this out in almost every podcast and it's because so many people don't get that. They think if they just manipulate this variable a little bit, they're going to go from the marathon runner build in Arnold Schwarzenegger, and all they have to do is follow the hypertrophy plan. I hate to break it to you. That's just not going to happen. You're going to save yourself a lot of time, but you can be the best you can be. All right. So that was fun. Hit me up with any questions that you have. Feedback. Please rate this show. If you're listening to Spotify, it's not that hard. Just rate it. Give me a five. You better give me a five. Why did you not give me a five? Okay. If you're listening to on Apple Podcasts, do the same thing. Rate it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button because then I get little uh, help from the logarithms helping this spread out. That's the way it works these days. If you're just listening and then kind of turn it off and you know, going back to business afterwards and I send it to you and you're not doing anything with it, you know, just do me a favor and and do those things because Spotify didn't know you listened unless you hit subscribe. And then later on, please rate it. That'll help me too. All right. Because we're trying to lower costs of putting this on, which is the perfect segue into thanking Dr. Doris Antos, the chiropractic physician. She is great. She's in Ormond Beach, I'm going to be interviewing her soon, which is going to be fun. And she has a new associate, I believe. And uh, we're going to talk with those folks and let them talk about themselves. But I know this, she has a great reputation. My clients go to her and I will put all of her information in the show notes. Until next time, be max fit, be max well.